you know, is this what I'm, is this what our life is like now mm. for the rest of our lives? Right. So for me, it was an exploration into emptiness syndrome, you know, trying to find answers for has my marriage drifted? What is my relationship with my children? What do I want to do this next phase of my life? That whole emptiness bomb kind of went off in my head. Midlife ladies. This is the Dear Midlife Podcast. Unapologetic girl talk that will help you remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired woman full of sass, sparkle, and a heavy dose of black girl magic. So grab a glass and let's dive into the messy middle. So this episode is very timely for me, and I'm going to try not to get emotional. Um, (laughs) I wish you good luck. (laughs) Oh, fuck. My oldest daughter is about to head off to college next year. I'm so, gosh, I can't even begin to express the variety of emotions, Mm. as you can tell, that I have about that. I am so proud of her because, you know, She's faced some real adversity through high school and Mm -hmm. man, if that girl hasn't thrived and I feel so happy and so confident that she's just ready for success in college. I'm scared shitless to let her go. I mean, (laughs) the world is such a different place than it was when I was younger. And I feel like there's just so many unknown dangers to consider And, you know, then as a single mom, I'm both sad to see her go and exciting for excited for the new adventures that I get to start um, when I have the time to do them. And, you know, my younger daughter and I have discussed, you know, a move, a fresh start. So Mm -hmm. I I look forward to the opportunity for, um, again, more time to pursue my own personal endeavors. But I'm just, you know simultaneously afraid of you know the daunting loneliness yeah. that I'm gonna miss her yeah yeah uh, you know we we both have commonalities in this space and commonalities with our guest today Anthony Damashina, the author of the empty nest blueprint so you are about to send your daughter off to school and I have sent my son away to college and he boomeranged right, right on back home, right? But the, but the truth is, just as we dove headfirst into parenthood without a manual, without a blueprint, without knowing <laughs> what in the hell we were doing when these babies were born, we're now expected to send them off, send them out into the world, and then reclaim our own lives magically After making these humans our (laughs) one and only priority for so Mm. many years. I don't know about you, Shelby, but I don't even know who the hell I am anymore. And I'm supposed to have this all figured out. Yeah, right. (laughs) I know. Thank goodness for our guest, Anthony, who has what he calls an obsession with the most underrated phase in a parent's life, which led him to actually create that blueprint that we would love to have for our future and current empty nesters to follow. Yes. Yeah. He combines current research, practical advice, and his own personal experience to help others not just survive, but thrive in their empty nest adventure. And and listen, listen, the empty nest blueprint is more than just a book. It is an actual journey of self-discovery. So Anthony and his wife, they successfully have launched three children out into the world, two of whom are still in college. And he considers himself a recovering HR exec with a BS in political science and an MS in HR and organizational development. It's his goal to utilize his personal and his professional experience to put the readers of his book on a path of reflection, of self-empowerment, while gaining really profound insights into your most cherished relationships. And by the end of, of this read, you're going to find that you're, you'll emerge from it with a tangible blueprint and some really actionable plans to help create a future for yourself that's filled yeah. with happiness, 
motivation and, and a renewed sense of intimacy in life. Mm. Love that. So if you are in our shoes and sending your beloved people out into the universe, we beg you not to let this precious chapter of your life pass you by because ladies, this is your chance to seize the opportunity to create a blueprint for a joyful and fulfilling life. And you know, you don't have to do it alone. We are right here every step of the way with you. And we are excited because we have some new tools that we too will be sharing with you to help you continue to explore who you are as an individual, what lights your fire, and to gain a new level of alignment as you step into this new chapter of your life. And we're going to hold your hand and Anthony's going to hold your hand yes. every step of the way. So we want you to go find our Facebook group and follow this podcast so you don't miss any of the exciting new tools that we'll be sharing with you. And right now, let's take a listen to what our guest, Anthony Damascino, has to say about this journey into what empty nestitude <laughs> empty nestitude it's a new thing everybody's doing it's it a new thing. let's welcome anthony damascino anthony thank you for being hi here. anthony hi i'm super excited to be here big fan oh yeah, we're so likewise. excited you're here we are excited because as we were saying just prior to getting onto the show today I specifically in Trinity too, we are both in this great place where we are about to become the proverbial empty nesters. Yes. And your sleepovers. Focus... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Your focus is on that very topic. And so we are just super curious. You you use in your literature the emptiness syndrome. Mm. How exactly yeah. do you define the emptiness syndrome and what can we do about it? Yeah, it's, it's that's a great first question. And uh, so emptiness syndrome is feelings of loss and sadness when a child leaves a home, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And and we can all say what parent isn't a little sad when sure. their child leaves the home. So it's somewhat of an uh you know, an oversimplification of that. It's not a medical uh, decree by any means, but it's <laughs> it's more that people are feeling this way. But it's much more than just sadness and loss. It hits on areas such as your purpose as a parent. Hell loss yes. of that purpose. It's like, like, who you know, am I I'm making a, breakfast for? Nobody, me. Stay-at-home dad, <laughs> you know, yeah. class mom, soccer coach. Yeah. What, what is your new purpose in life? Yeah. Oh, so for important. me, for me, the biggest, toughest thing out of maybe the five things of emptiness was loss of control. Mm -hmm. Right. Think about how much we control our children's lives and not from a overbearing perspective, right. but picking up, dropping off, cooking. Where are you? All of yeah. those things that you're trying to get a handle on. Yeah. Uh, there's it's emotional. So hard toil, to deal with. I will say. Their Sorry. emotional what? Toil? Coil? Yeah, emotional toil or, or, or the emotional toll that someone yeah. goes through when when their child leaves. Are they now alone? Are they missing their best friend? Are they yep. missing hmm. their purpose in life? Marital stress is another one of emptiness syndrome. Mm -hmm. And we're almost yeah. there. There's one left. And that's parenting anxiety. So oh, for sure. When you, you know, when I launched my middle daughter... Uh, you know, I was worried about how she can handle drinking in a college setting and <laughs> all the dangers associated with mm -hmm. with men, boys, college kids yeah. being put into an atmosphere that is she prepared for? Is she not prepared for? Yeah. And it changes, right? If you have sons or if you have daughters, like the, what you're going to feel and the anxiety. And I'm going to throw an extra one in there, Anthony, that I don't think I heard. And this is from the single mom's perspective. But I think it's different as a single mother, probably mm. as a single father, too. But I just don't have that perspective when your child leaves, because then you literally are alone, alone. And in yes. my case, you know, 
I have a boy. So I was like, damn it. Who's going to open up the mayonnaise jar for me? <laughs> He's going to reach that shit on the top shelf, right? Like- right. Who's going to get that? And then it's like, I went on this weird rampage. Like I got ring lights all over my house. I've got alarms. I was like, well, damn it. I think I need a shotgun now. Like all kinds of stuff. Being this <laughs> woman alone for the very first time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and so, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, an empty nest syndrome or, or becoming an empty nester, it's usually a punchline at a at a party or someone says, hmm. oh, gosh, you're going to turn their room into a gym or. Right. But, but right. And, and that's OK. And it's funny. But for me, uh, as I was going through it, it's a major life change. And I it is. And some of the things you're going through is, you know, what's my new purpose that I'm no longer an active parent? What's mm-hmm. what's my marriage like? Have have we been so focused on raising kids for two decades that I don't even know or like this person anymore? <laughs> Do I like you? Do I even <laughs> like you anymore? Who are you? I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> yeah, or who I am too. It's right. like exactly. an identity crisis. And yes. and you know, and then and then, what's your relationship with your children? Because we know it's a huge transformational change for mm-hmm. them. Independence living on their own, right? Leaving the home. And so how do you relinquish some of those control issues or identity issues or set expectations? All yeah. of those pieces. I need right? to dig in there, Anthony, because I'm 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 not doing well. I'm not doing a good job in that space. My child is 21. He's gone off to college. He has come back home. He is working a full-time job. He s- goes to college here. I still track this boy on yeah. life 360 people yeah it's very that's tough. that's that's bad that is like helicopter parent at its it is finest and i cannot let it go i can't yeah i had i had some trouble landing that helicopter and and i admit it i think the worst uh invention uh was the parent portal in high school because uh <laughs> Immediately, I became obsessed with my son's algebra test on oh, yeah. Thursday. And did he turn his homework in on Monday? And did is why is my daughter getting a C in PE? Right. Yeah. I mean, oh, right. Uh, right. You know, because she's like me and doesn't want to play pickleball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or yoga. <laughs> I get it, honey. Whatever. I get it, girl. Yeah, no, it's crazy. So what do we do then, Anthony, to prepare for yeah. this place in life? I, I think the I think the first thing to do is just acknowledge that it is a big transition. Yeah. I, you know, people prepare. You prepare for your your own education. You prepared probably for a wedding or a marriage. You prepared mm-hmm. when you had children, mm-hmm. and we're probably all preparing for retirement. But but nobody mm-hmm. really actively talks about preparing for their empty nest stage in life, and. And when I was hitting that stage, and I'm still there, my daughter's uh, still in college. I have two daughters still in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, you know, there was no girlfriend's guide to pregnancy or what to expect <laughs> when you're expecting right. or empty nesters. Yeah, it, it, it's not at all. It, it's a punchline and it's a joke. So, so for me, I dove in and I did a lot of research and, and, and I'll get back to your, your question, which is what, what can we do, uh, and I think the first thing to do is just acknowledge that this is a big transition for mm-hmm. you personally. Be self-aware of the transition for you, for your relationships and the change between uh, your child becoming parent child to parent adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then, you know, at, through the book and, and we could talk about it, you know, what are some specific things you can focus on, especially with yes. children? Right. Uh, When they before, how can you prep to launch them, so to speak? And then what are some things you can kind of do to support yourself as you're struggling with parental anxiety and all those other things? So I think of this as like, you know, the next chapter. So this is like you're joining the next chapter club of being a parent of parenting adults, which is very different than parenting children. And then of redefining your life right now with like you're not buying goldfish crackers and you're not you know you're not part of the pta anymore and and all of these things so it's kind of these two different next chapters that you're launching yourself into and and i would love for us and i don't know if this is possible i'm kind of making this up on the fly so go with me go with me 
I'm thinking about this as like spinning this from this space of loss to a space of gain. Yeah. And what are we gaining in this space? And how do we start to apply these as gains and additions to our life so that we really are stepping into a space of wholeness within this next chapter versus a deficit approach? Yeah. I, 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 I love that perspective. And I think, you know, if someone held a gun to my head, that the thing you are probably gaining most when launching a child is you are gaining time. Ah. And, and then the question is, okay, what am I going to do with that time? Yes. And, and, you know, I think, I think it takes, there's, there's exercises in the book and there's things we can all think of reflect on, but I think you have to go back to, and I hate to say it, you guys, two decades ago, what were the things you loved to do when you were focusing (laughs) on you? Right. Oh, yes. And, and, and what are your interests today? And what, what kind of interests and things do you want your future to have in them? Because, you know, I, I, you know, I gave up golf, didn't do fantasy football. You all may, we have all as parents made sacrifices and we gave yeah. those things up to be great parents. Yeah. But now once they're gone, now what, what's next? And I think mm-hmm. filling, trying to find a way to fill that time with something that's meaningful to you is, is probably the best thing you can do for yourself. So take an assessment. What did you love as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult before life rearranged you a bit? Yeah. And yeah. And, and which of the those things could you start to plug into? I love that as a first step. Yeah, I think that's a great first step. And I think, you know, Anthony, you've mentioned a couple of times the book that you've recently written, The Emptiness Blueprint. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to know if we can unpack that blueprint just a little bit and take a a deeper dive into what other things do you recommend? I think to Trinity's point, taking a step back to your 20-year-old self and asking, what did I used to love is one just one step probably in a larger blueprint. So what what does the rest of the blueprint entail? Yeah, and I, I think uh, towards the end of the book, your blueprint is really building uh, four plans. Okay. Uh, and it could be three or fl- four plans, but there's a plan for you, Shelby, and that's yeah. the plan for yourself. What is this next what do I want this next stage in my life to be? Um, and, and again, that could include uh, things I want to do, some things I may want to change. And you have, you've had a lot of this on your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. People yeah. I want to connect to, people that I want to reconnect to because mm-hmm. I have been busy raising children. Again, there's family members, there's friends, there's people that have been on the periphery that I'd kind of like to re-engage with. Mm-hmm. And I now have the time to re-engage with them. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and so, you can bet your ass there's probably some people you need to cut out of your life too. Yeah, there's uh, you can <laughs> absolutely, yeah, and and hopefully you've done it already, right? Um, but and yes. if not, now's the perfect time. My child's right. gone. I don't like you anymore. Goodbye. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then so so that's a plan for you, and mm-hmm. and and there's some exercises in there, but but how can you build the future you want and and leverage the things you want to do? and become. I yes. also in there there's also a plan for your spouse and mm. and if you're if you're happily married you still want to go through that plan and and understand their perspective on where they are in their mm-hmm. emptiness. Journey. Probably if you're unhappily married too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. And and even even more so in some <laughs> right. situations I just listened to the last episode so it is yeah, fresh in exactly. my hand. Fresh uh, the, yeah, the narcissism sure. episode, we'll call it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think you have to be aware and make plans for how is that person going to react to no longer maybe controlling what they think right. they can control anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe maybe when a child turns eighteen in the state of California, parental visitation rights go away. Sometimes mm. spousal things go spousal support mm-hmm. go away and so that's a lot of relinquishing of responsibility and although some people may view that as a good thing i think some people would react negatively to now not having that control on oh, certain for sure. in their lives oh for sure 
and they can't manipulate the other parent through the child if they've been doing they have no leverage yeah Yeah, they've lost their leverage yeah very very true point so that's two things your life your plan for you and your plan with your with your your spouse spouse, for your spouse and what is the i thought you said there were three well there's three could be four four. so fourth would be a, a plan for the marriage Okay. Uh, if you're in a relationship, uh, and that's or plan to be out there in them streets if you're single, ladies. <laughs> you make us sound it's, like hookers, it's, Trinity. It's, I know I did. Discovering classy streets, classy streets, Rediscovering. Girl. Thank you. Yes, rediscover <laughs> them streets, ladies. Yes, rediscover <laughs> those streets. And again, what did you like to do as a couple? What did you like to do in the past? What have you enjoyed doing as you've been raising your children? And what do you want to do do in the future? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then. And then there's the plan for your child, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the last one. And and I want to I want to make it clear that each of these plans are your plans. This is ah. your plan Trinity, this is your plan Shelby. This is not a situation where you're handing your child or your spouse or your marriage a yeah. plan. Hey, I built a plan to you're going to be in that piece of the relationship. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, I like that. Thank you for clarifying that because I was literally in my mind formulating a plan for him. Yeah. You only. (laughs) I was like, okay, now he's going to go do this. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Of course. And you only have control over yourself. So these are your plans, how you're going to react, what you're going to do, and what you want to focus on for each of these people or these segments in your life. Mm. For for the children, right? It's it's a. it's a scary situation. I mean, it, it's it's a great situation. We're all excited, but you know, there's some there's some kind of crazy facts out there about what uh, teenagers and college students go through, right? And yeah. to give you some stats. They're all the, smoking pot, drinking alcohol, having sex. Every last one of them. Well, I mean, if they're doing that, that's that's, <laughs> that's living the best life, I think. <laughs> But but students in college, right? It's twenty seven percent of students say they are depressed in college. Yeah, thirty five percent say they have anxiety, and twenty eight percent feel isolated. Right? Wow, wow. And there's only there's only two groups, the two top groups that feel depression. If we look across the spectrum of all ages, the number one group that has the most people feeling depression is uh, teenagers or adults ages eighteen to twenty nine. Mm. And what's the second group, you guys? You want to guess? Us. Us midlife empty nesters. It is. And the empty nester age range is 44 to 65. It goes a little high because of second and third marriages. Mm -hmm. But the average empty nester is 51. And we are are right in that pocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Second biggest group feeling depression. Yeah. And so I I don't want to, you know, the last thing I do is want to scare parents about their children. But. The other biggest threat, and I call it one of the four D's, is uh, disownment, right? Or being mm. estranged from a child that you have. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, which, believe it or not, in adults, one in four adults in the U.S. are estranged from another family member. One in 10 is a parent and child are estranged. Really? Mm. So, so, so that sad. I know. And, and, and so I, I don't want to go doom and gloom. Because again, we've spent the last 20 years of our lives raising the best children we can or child that we can. So let's ensure that we continue to support, communicate, set expectations, love, make our home someplace they want to come back to. Yeah. Right. All of these things are super important. So Shelby, you know, part of those things are setting expectations so that there aren't problems in the future on issues. And mm-hmm. let me let me just give you an example. Yeah, I would love an example. Okay, your daughter goes off to college, right? Mm-hmm. What is your expectations around grades? What is your expectations around money? What is your expectations around communication? Let's say those mm-hmm. three. Communication, grades, and money. You know, I think that we've actually already had a lot of these conversations So, you know, she is super keen on going into the Greek life and becoming part of a sorority. And so she already knows that there is going to be likely a set expectation, what 
within her sorority that she is to meet a certain GPA. Mm-hmm. So she knows that having that social activity in her life is really important because she's my social butterfly. So she knows that there is a, a consequence if she's not capable of keeping her grades up. And so I feel like internally, she's already committed to making those um, good choices in terms of her grades. And then obviously, one of the it's one of the deciding factors that we're taking into consideration as we're exploring colleges right now is what kind of academic support systems do they have? Are what kind of what size of school are you going to? How big are the class sizes? How much extra um, connection and communication will she have with her teacher? And so we've already embarked on some of those conversations, and so I think those have been very um, clear cut. And then obviously, I think. you said the app that has been my obsession. And at some point, honestly, Anthony, um, the app in high school became a detriment and it became a Mm -hmm. barrier between she and I, and I recognized it and she recognized it. And it's really funny because in the beginning I was every day, every second on this app. Wouldn't, wouldn't, why didn't you turn in this homework assignment? What, what's your math grade? Um, and now I, I I had to ask her just the other day, like, what's your what are your grades looking like these days? Because I realized that when I let go and gave her permission to succeed and fail, then she took higher level of ownership of her own grades. Bravo. Yeah. So Amazing. I've, we've already been down that path, in my personal opinion. And, you know, in terms of our financial situation, it's a really tough situation because, as you probably have recognized, my ex-husband is not really actively involved in our lives. And he's not really a very he's already made it very clear that he is not contributing to the financial picture for college. And so, you know, she and I have had to have lots of conversations around that as well. And so what we've said is that, you know, my expectation and hope is that I can give her a specific contribution to college. And beyond that, she's responsible. And so that responsibility can be found in her um, efforts to find financial aid and support through either merit-based scholarships, need-based scholarships, grants, loans. There's a spectrum of ways out there that you can find some financial income. We talked about work study programs. We talked about all different kinds of, she actually has been very um, responsible. She's been babysitting and nannying since she was 12. So she loves kids. <laughs> and so, building up um, the war chest. Building yeah. up the war chest. She makes the most money doing the babysitting gig these days, which is crazy how much babysitters get paid. I got paid $2 an hour, but seriously, she's getting 20, but it's amazing um, that she's already established that level of responsibility. So, you know, and I think we have a pretty open level of communication. If we can just keep our Snapchat, um, what's it called? The, the streak. We have yeah. the Snapchat streak oh, gosh, going. going. Yeah. We're like, we're good. We're solid there. But um, honestly, I think, you know, we've been through a lot in the last couple of years. And so that's really opened the doors of communication through the challenges that we've experienced. So I think it's I think you're right that those are really critical things. And I would love to know a little bit more about your personal experiences and where you found the biggest challenges within yeah. your own relationships mm-hmm. with your children and how you overcame those challenges. Yeah, I, I mean, we touched on the the parent portal, which again, uh, I was I was a horrible helicopter parent. Maybe not horrible, but uh, but just over involved in things that that I could have given my children a little more hmm. uh, room to grow in. So because of that, I was a little more dramatic when they went away to college, <laughs> and I said, "Listen, I don't care about grades." Hmm. Uh, and and there's a funny, you know, C's get degrees is a funny saying, right? Right, yeah. right. But but I, I do care that you get out in four years because I That's have only budgeted to help you for so much for so long. So I, the onus is on you. You need to get out in four years. If it takes you longer, that is on you. Uh, but, but I don't really care unless you're going to graduate school, get that degree. Mm-hmm. And so I, I completely gave up grades and out of my three children uh, my son did not share a grade <laughs> <It's four laughs> years my middle shared anytime she got a great grade yeah yeah and then my third who's who's uh still in school uh shares it all so oh, it is very funny. funny how their comfort level is with the control and i probably controlled my eldest son the most mm-hmm. which is the reason why he 
hibernated <laughs> when it came to grades, right? Mm -hmm. When it when it came to money, I did what was called a, a money drop. So instead of giving them money every month, we set a budget. And I and I felt like uh I'm a little embarrassed by this because I'm I have a feeling that the three of us worked growing up. Oh, and we babysat sure. oh, yeah. and we oh, had yeah. jobs and, and, we, and we saved money because we had to. Yeah. But for my kids, I wanted them to do well in school and do well in sports. So I did not, they did not work that much, you know, babysitting, mm -hmm. maybe through mm -hmm. school. So I felt like the one thing I never gave them was an education in money and the value of money mm -hmm. Be because they kind of just things just cupboards are full and right. things yeah. are good. It magically shows up when you need Isn't it. That amazing. So my way around that was to give them the slimmest amount of money to live on, write them a check for September through December, and then another check January through June mm -hmm. and let them go. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I got to tell you, <laughs> was it was really hard to do it, but, you know, uh, probably scarier for them uh, yeah. because if there's no more money, I, you know, I, I'm not writing you a check in November right. because you had a great experience last weekend. You know, did any of them come back and ask for more? Uh, there were a few times where I felt like some stories were around poverty, like just, you know, <laughs> friends' houses and raiding other people's food that I felt yeah. I should throw in some. But for the most part, that's how they got their financial education. They each mm -hmm. learned to budget. They, 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 on their own, they put it in a saving, they opened up a savings account and then they would give themselves their monthly clump of money Ooh, smart. and then, and then spend it. So, so for me, I felt like this is one way I can make up for a, a teenage shortfall, not right. giving them the value of money by letting them just learn the hard way. Ah, that is a great excellent experience. savers today. That's great. Oh, good. Good. Now, so yeah. those tactics worked for you is what you're saying. They did. The last one, communication, you know, my, my son went away and he needed time to just be an alpha male and do his thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we spoke maybe once a month, you know, once every three mm -hmm. weeks. My daughter, my middle daughter didn't really like the phone that much every so often, you know, once a week or so. And my youngest daughter calls every day. Wow. So, but 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 what I did is I did not initiate the community. I had a conversation with, I want you to have fun. I want you to grow. I want you to go away to college. I love you. But when you want to talk to me, reach out and talk to me. And there were so many times, you guys, I'm driving home from work in the car mm. or I see something funny and I wanted to reach out and call my child. But I made this silly decision or maybe good decision to let them come to me and not mm -hmm. be that overbearing parent that is calling them, you know, I, I could still see where they were. Okay. Yeah. Uh, find my friends. <laughs> but uh but not not call them every minute, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Yeah. That's it hard, is hard for me. Yeah. My son but, and I know, are both talker talkers and we just talk about everything. And so yeah. it's well, so and, you know, difficult. I think that there's maybe sometimes a, a fine, you know, a nice balance that you can. Absolutely. For sure. We, we have found the balance. But I think that first year when you launch them or those first few months when you launch them, that's mm. really when I think they need to spread their wings. Yeah, the most. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, I see that. and it's funny, a funny story. We, you know, we were on a college parent forum and this is helicopterish, but not, <laughs> uh, not for us. We were on a college parent forum. Uh, my wife's going through reading, you know, people talking about their children. And there was this uh, message, uh, my daughter's school, you know, emergency help needed. And my, and, my, and my wife's like, oh, my gosh, she dives into it. And, you know, what's happening? Yeah. And it's, it's where does my son, where, where should my son put his towels? There's no place to hang them up in the, <laughs> in the bathroom. Ma'am. Not an emergency, ma'am. <laughs> and right. and you're like, oh, so there are parents trying to manage their child's dorm life laundry duties, right? <laughs> right. And, and so it's a great example of just through the emptiness transition on the relationship with your child, where are you going to 
disengage and let them do their thing. Right. Yeah. And to step back and think to yourself, what is the consequence if I continue to manage? This is what I've had to tell myself all along. Like my children have been doing their laundry for years. And (laughs) guess what? Sometimes their room smells because they haven't done their laundry in years. And so I'm like, Hey, and my daughter came out the other day. She's like, my room smells. I'm like, hi, try doing some laundry. That might help. Um, but Start you know, at the I bottom think- of the pile. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know, the more we disengage, as difficult as it is for us parents, the more they learn to become self-sufficient. And I feel like that's really our job as parents. But, yeah. you know, I think that's a hard lesson learned. And Anthony, I would really love to know what's the biggest aha moment that you've had since you've let your children go? Or what is something that you've learned about yourself that you may not have otherwise thought to explore um, until this moment in time gave you that space and place to do that? Yeah. Uh, a, a quick story, if I can, if I can, if there yeah, is such, please. A thing, we love the story. such a thing with me, my, my triggering moment was uh, I had been in, in HR my whole mm-hmm. life. And, uh-huh. and the day in life of an HR person is people come into your office. I'm not getting paid enough. I haven't been promoted. I hate my boss. My coworkers are jerk, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I am dealing with adults all day and uh, that can be tiring. Yeah. My wife, first grade teacher. What is she doing all day? The exact same thing, but with, uh, you know, seven and eight year olds. <laughs> yeah. And so we would do this five days a week. And on Friday, we'd come home and uh, and I'm like, all I want to do is just relax, you know, have a cocktail or something, watch a movie and not speak to another adult. Right. Meanwhile, my wife is all I've been doing is talking to children <laughs> for five days. I want to go out, have fun, converse with adults. So, right. Me being the more stubborn of the two, on, on Fridays, when we went ahead with this plan, I would usually win. And so we would stay home, we'd watch a movie, etc. And one night, Karen came home and she was a little bit more aggressive. And, and I saw in her face, in the same conversation we'd have every Friday night, was, you know, is this what I'm, is this what our life is like now mm. for the rest of our lives? Is are are we now, uh, you know, going to do this, or or am I going to be able to to have and do the things I want to do? Mm. And I felt like shit, right? Mm. And it was a realization that I needed to just up my game. And now we call Friday fun night, Friday fun night. So mm-hmm. every Friday we try and go out and do something fun. And as long as you're mentally prepared for that to happen and you're planning for it, it doesn't matter how bad my week was. It's on the books that Friday night is Friday fun night. Yeah. And so that. that that instance, that moment made me think about, well, you know, what is becoming an empty nester? What is empty nest syndrome? What is this transition like? Because if Karen is disappointed in me every Friday night, how many other things is she disappointed in me about mm. or that are bothering her under the surface? Right. So for me, it was an exploration into emptiness syndrome, you know, trying to find answers for has my marriage drifted? What is my relationship with my children? What do I want to do this next phase of my life? That whole emptiness bomb kind of went off in my head. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you turned so it around into Friday, Friday fun. fun night. Sorry, I there it is. That. Friday fun night to the rescue. Friday yeah. fun night to the rescue. Alcohol what? to the rescue. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, and I found when my son went went away to school, like I had to be much more purposeful about creating fun nights for myself. Like I didn't yeah. have. I'm not in a relationship. Most yeah. of my close girlfriends are all married. So I couldn't just like, Hey, come on. So I had to learn to be okay with, I'm going to take myself out to dinner and I'm going to get dressed up and I'm going to be cute and feel pretty. And I'm going to go sit at the bar or I'm going to go sit at the chef's table where I can interact at least with Mm -hmm. other people and make it a thing. I'm going to go to a comedy show because I can laugh as loud as I want and I'm not going to be out of place 
you know, so I started thinking about what are ways that I can go and engage with the world at large and not feel isolated because it's mm-hmm. so easy to isolate yourself I, when I love you that. are alone. Yeah. And and Shelby, you you know, so so it's it's really the it's the self-awareness of how I'm presenting, how what how I'm treating myself, how I'm treating my kids, my spouse, my mm-hmm. marriage. I think the aha moment for me was just a little more self-awareness that it's that I'm going down my own path. Yeah. And I and I'm not looking at anybody else's path around me. Mm. And so I think stepping back and thinking about those other people that I that that you want to build a plan for and that you want to have a strong relationship moving forward, including yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest awareness, the biggest aha moment for me. I love yeah. that. And, you know, and, you I know think... there's a saying a goal without a plan is just a wish. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you do have to plan for some things. I'm I'm all for the, you know, the crazy evening out that just takes you wherever it takes you. But but sometimes for the some of the important things, a plan is helpful. Yeah. yeah. And I guess my question, too, is, is it when is it too early? Is there is it too early ever to plan for yeah. that time? You know what I'm saying? Because like here yeah. I am. My daughter is a senior in high school. I've got another that's a freshman. Let's just be honest. Most of them, their time is either spent in their rooms doing homework, reading, socializing through technology or out and socializing with friends and activities and things like that, which leaves me at home by myself so I can make a choice in these situations to even though my I still have a daughter that's four years in high school remaining to to decide how I want to spend that time and I think there's a balance too like I don't abandon them and go out every night I try and find time for myself time with them and so I guess is the question is is there a right time to start making these plans um, and it, or is it, you know, okay to start planning now? I mean, I think ideally when you're, when your children are in high school, it's probably yeah. the time to start thinking about it. And I think the, the great trigger that you just said was it's really when your children are no longer p- parent focused, but a lot of their time is self-focused, which gives you that ex- a window into what your emptiness life yeah. may be like when they leave. That's when you should start thinking about it and and start finding ways to fill your own bucket. Yeah, I love that. So one, if we, sorry, go ahead. I, I was no, going to say one one funny thing I'm curious about, right? Yeah. So what was your empty nest experience when you left the home? Mm. Oh God. Do you want to go first, Shelby? Or you, you want first, me to? Trinity, you had such a reaction. <laughs> I'm now curious. <laughs> I've never told you this story. So my mom and dad got back together like my junior year in high school and he moved back from California, moved in with us. And we'd spent our entire lives either on the run or being, you know, he wasn't around. It was the three Greenfield girls, me, my mom, my sister. So he moves back and my mom had just completely shifted like, who she was like, I couldn't go into her bedroom anymore. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. And I was like, look, chick, this is not working for me. <laughs> and so there was just a lot of animosity and me and my mom were best, best friends. So it was a lot of animosity and weirdness. So um, I had gotten into the University of Washington, which was a big deal right yeah. back then. And like at the last minute, I decided I wanted to go to community college instead. And my mom just freaked out. And she like, she accused me of being on cocaine and, you know, being a druggie and what's wrong with you. And I was like, dude, I just don't feel like I'm ready. And so she was like, well, absolutely not. You are going to the University of Washington. I was like, fine, why? but I'm not staying in this house another moment. So I left the house Um shortly after graduation, but well before the time I was supposed to leave, like months before the time I was supposed to leave. And I literally just flopped on like random people's couches, like couch surfed 
with my boyfriend. Like I remember we were, I don't even know whose apartment we were at. And there was like 15 of us like sleeping on the floor. It was like this most random, weird ass summer ever. And the night before I was going to get in my car and drive down to Seattle. I met my mom in the Kmart parking lot. She gave me some money and like six or seven bags of groceries and things. And I was like, peace. She was like, peace. And that was it. So it was like this very much like boot in the ass. I'm out. Figured out. Wow. And I did. I figured it out. That's what I do. Yeah. That's amazing. I had a completely different experience, (laughs) which is not (laughs) because our lives are so different. But honestly, you know, um, I had the usual college experience. But the thing I find so interesting was that I I often sort of, you know, joke that I've raised myself since age eight. So my mother passed away when I was seven. My dad remarried. And he and my stepmom, who I call mom, and we're very close now, was they were working on their careers. Right. And so I think it was a sign of the times. They were of the proverbial baby boomer generation where you work harder, not smarter. (laughs) And they spent a lot of time. They were both corporate executives and my mom was CEO of a company. And so, um, you know, I spent a lot of time on my own as a child and or I was the oldest of four siblings like I joke that I was a soccer mom at the age of 16 because I was toting my younger siblings around all the time. So by the time I got out of the house, I was very much an independent spirit. I had a job, like a legit job since the age of 12, working at a daycare, then retail. So, you know, I was used to being on my own and used to um, making my own way. But I thought it was really funny. This is a funny story because I'm a talker, if you hadn't noticed, but my mom is not. And I used to call home and want desperately to have like a conversation about my life and what's happening at college. And I would call and I would say, hey, how's it going? And she'd be like, I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? And I'd be like, here's what's happening in my life. How's work? It's okay. She's like, how can I help you? Like, oh, boy. Consultation. I just want to chat. But, um, you know, this was a self-awareness and I worked in HR and we work in training and development in our day-to-day jobs. And um, it was an, a self-aware moment that we had very different styles. And mm-hmm. as I grew older and learned about different kinds of behavioral styles, I'm like, aha, I get it now. Like I'm a talker and she's a doer. And sometimes we're not like the same social level, level of connection. And so that was an aha moment for me is to try and learn to meet her where she is. Um, And I think over the years, she's learned to meet me where I am in my talkative spirit. So I think, you know, the the answer is that it's all an evolution of the way to your point. um, The more that we grow and the more we learn about ourselves, the more that we can connect and and meet the other people in our lives where they are. Exactly. And and my experience was somewhere in between. I, I, I had both my parents, but I don't remember them looking at a college ed- education. They weren't paying for college. I mm-hmm. I kind of remember driving away and them waving, but there were <laughs> there were no trips to Safeway or IKEA right. or you know making sure that I had towels or what. I mean, it yeah. was just kind of letting you go, right? Mm-hmm. And I think two two points I want to make is today things are much different mm, when yeah. our children leave the house, right? Yeah. We are we are a lot more involved. Hopefully we're not, uh, you know, sending emergency alerts about where to hang a towel, but we are involved. Uh, But but the other fascinating thing about it is, is I wonder if either of you ever had a discussion, I have not, with my parents about their empty nest journey. Mm. And, and, And an interesting thing is, if you were to ask me and I were to ask both of you, how, how did you learn how to become a mother? How did how did you learn? Well, I was you, from my mom. You yeah. had one, right? right? You experienced it. And and you took the good and you modified the stuff you didn't like and you yeah. did your best job. Yeah. But, for sure. And and you even maybe even have seen people raise children. But how did you learn about empty nesting? Well, you didn't learn it from your parents because you leaving made them an empty nester. Yeah. So, so we have no construct of really, did my parents struggle? Did they fight? Was my dad depressed? 
he was probably overjoyed, quite frankly. But, you <laughs> right. know, we we don't we never witnessed it. Yeah. So we're really going into this stage in life without ever seeing it or preparing for it unless we have friends who have gone before us or mm. siblings that have gone before us. And that's how, you know, that becomes our model of what empty nesting looks like. Yeah, mm. that is a great point. I love that um, concept. And so we now have a book that we can lean on, <laughs> that we can use to help give us that blueprint. Again, the empty nest blueprint. So go out and get it. And if our listener wanted to find you on the interwebs of the universe, Anthony, where can they go? Yeah, luckily, there aren't that many Damashinos out there. But uh, <laughs> AnthonyDamashino.com is uh, my website. And uh, and you could just Google the Empty Nest Blueprint and and uh, my name will come up. Also, uh, you know, follow me on Facebook and uh, and check me out on Instagram. I'm, I'm trying, you know, am I going to dip my toe in and leverage my, uh, two daughters and sons into TikTok? Yeah. Probably not yet. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I'm excited about following you guys' Facebook group, right? That yes, please. Out there. So going to yeah. do that. Awesome. And I, and I, I do want to say that I, if, if I had to think of one and I said it already, but if I had to think of one word for your podcast, I think brave is mm. the word, right? Aww. And and, and I really mean it. There's there's so much vulnerability and you're talking about things that uh, although, you know, a, a, a midlife woman, female, single married would want to know. And I have two daughters who probably want to know most everything except for the orgy dome. Uh, <laughs> but but I think there's a ton of knowledge there for men. Right. I mean, yeah. you yeah, get a sneak God, peek. You are a man and you're trying to figure out some of the issues your wife may have or you want to meet someone and you're single or you just want to understand the female race. I think there's a lot of discussions that are just eye opening and wow. And it's I I'm so glad I fell into it. I'm about 15 in out of 97. Oh, wow. And, uh, Love it. But I'll get there. I'll get there. Shelby, I think we've just found our third male listener. We like to joke. We have two male listeners out there. But We're at three honestly... now. Welcome to the club, brother. Yeah, I'll do uh, your you public, know public service announcement for men. I'll do that. I one. love it. I love it. And I feel like we share this space, too, because, you know, being an empty nester is it's right, as you said, in that sweet spot of midlife. And we're all really just going through this crazy roller coaster journey together. So exactly. we really have enjoyed the conversation, Anthony. You've got a lot of energy and obviously this great passion around helping other people in midlife find themselves again. And I think that's just what it's really all about. Love yeah. it. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been great. Anthony, we love you. We that love was you. Such a great conversation. I know. I'm so excited. I'm actually, I've started reading the empty nest blueprint. I'm super excited to get through it. Oh, good. And yeah. now I feel like when my son leaves again, empty nest times two, <laughs> the, the, the remix, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready in empty nest remix, which is coming this fall to a I house near me, my house. That's my house that it's coming to. Yeah. <laughs> Really? So, he's, where's he headed off? He is going back to Arizona. <gasps> yes, him, his girlfriend and her best friend are moving down there and he wants to finish his four year at ASU. Right on, sister. We'll Emptiness, be in the same boat. The, re the remix. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, there I we go. It. All right. So my first takeaway today is just really kind of understanding what the empty nest syndrome means and and yeah. what it does for us and in really it it places some some definition around these feelings of sadness that we are feeling and this experience of loss because it truly does feel like a loss that we're grieving when our children move out on their own it it also extends out to like okay so now what now how how what is your new purpose as a parent how do you parent this a adult or semi-adult mm -hmm. differently and how do you deal with the loneliness that maybe you're going to experience and the emotional toll that it takes on you maybe yeah. takes on your marriage yeah. or the stress that it can 
impact have on your marriage and then the overall shit the parental anxiety that we deal with when we don't have our babies in the nest anymore yeah Yeah. and two as children leave you know anthony said in order to combat this emptiness syndrome there are three and four things that we can explore uh, that will help us to really move forward in a more positive way and the things that he wants us to consider are what's our relationship to ourself and to mm-hmm. really dive into it and explore that and maybe even what our new purpose in life might be what's your plan for your relationships and it's your relationship not just with yourself but with other people in your life um, maybe what's your plan for your marriage if, if you have a significant other or a partner that you're um, sharing your life and household with and you know really I think importantly what is your new relationship with your child going to look like moving forward um, how are you going to as Trinity mentioned parent them mm-hmm. when they're adults and really more be their Sherpa and their guide to navigating the world in this new um you know, this new place and space that they're facing in life. And third, when you're launching a child out into the world and out of the nest, there are some gains for you, honey, but there's also some losses, right? And the biggest gain for you is time. You're going to get some time back in your life. What are you going to do with that time? Who are you going to be? How are you going to show up for yourself in that time? But we also know that there's big losses. And and the studies show that the empty nest age group, us, our people right here, we're the second largest group suffering from depression. And so you've got to say, all right, let me, let me look at this trade-off. The best thing that I can do for myself is to fill this additional time with meaningful activities that are going to fill my soul with things that are going to help me create and find joy and light up and sparkle all over the place again what are the (laughs) things that i used to love to do that i don't do anymore take that assessment and start filling your time with those things with experiences and i think most importantly filling them with the people that you love and you want to either reconnect with or stay connected to you know and finally you can take the stress out of this new phase in your life by setting expectations around things like grades and money and communication with your child. And by doing that, it will alleviate this kind of internal turmoil that you may be experiencing as a parent because you know they're going to be okay. You know that they will face this new chapter in their life with success because you have set them up to do so. And if you are able to do that, then you can then again capitalize on that time that you have and you can utilize it instead of worrying about your child, you can utilize it to focus on what do you want to do with your next chapter in your own life and what do you want to do to fill your bucket? How can you reimagine and reclaim who you are at your authentic core? How do you realign with those things that you value? And you know, Trinity and I have some exciting new tools that we'll be sharing with you in the coming month that will help you, again, do that reset. Figure out who you are and what's important to you and and identify, you know, what is your voice and what do you want to be saying? And we are so excited because you know we've been on this journey with you you know we we struggled we felt like we were stuck we are still feeling our way in the dark to figure out who we are and where we're going and so you don't have to go on this journey alone we're here to love support and hold space for you as we're all on this journey together and so we want you to you know, go visit our website, dearmidlife.com, if you're curious as to what are some of the new things that we're offering. We want you to find our Facebook group and, you know, continue to follow this podcast so you don't miss any of the exciting new news. You know, your next chapter is a blank slate. It's a blank page and you get to write this story for yourself. What are you going to write? How will you fill that page? How will you fill your life? 
let's take this time to explore all the things that we want to be together. And we will be here next week to help you do so right here in the middle.